uh, not when we have so many outstanding needs. I, you know, I heard Councilmember Aguilar say over and over again, we have you know 300 million or something in unfilled uh, capital improvement projects. And while it would be a, a, a little dent in terms of that, you know, this is a kind of a high <laughs> high salary job. So um, with my remaining time, I, I also have another thing that's sort of been in the back of my head for a long time. Uh, the concerns Councilmember uh, Pete Ballou. I know that uh, Councilmember Ballou uh, does contract work for the San Leandro Police Department from time to time. And my question, my wondering is, why has he never recused himself on NARA's decisions involving the San Leandro Police Department? It seems to me that's a clear conflict of interest. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, that's it for yes. not agenda. Okay. Um, so the next item moving on is the uh, police department's report. Chief, I just have. Oh, one did one. I miss something? I just oh, sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. My fault. I, we're going to move on to the board uh, secretary's report. I'm not even following my own <laughs> instructions. Okay. <laughs> Fire away. And, uh, uh, board members and members of the public uh, joining us this evening is our city manager, Fran Robustelli, who will be providing some, some updates as part of the board secretary's report this evening. Thank you, Mary. Good evening, Chair Bailey and members of the board. I have a very important um, update for changes in the police department. While I can't answer any questions for you tonight, as this item has not been agendized, I would be happy to meet with you individually to discuss any questions or concerns you may have. I do want to acknowledge for the record that this process has taken much longer than I had hoped and has unfortunately caused community concern. Um, I have heard um, from members of the community that there's a perception that the investigation that took place with a prior city manager was much more transparent compared to the current investigation that um, was underway with Chief Pridgen. I want to make note for the record that the chief is, um, is uh, protected by a law called the Police Officers' Bill of Rights, which essentially prohibits me from releasing any information. And I have been meticulous in protecting his privacy throughout this process. I continue to not be able, by law, to discuss any details of the investigation or the outcome. I do want to inform you all that the Chief's last day was yesterday. Um, moving forward, I have selected an interim Chief to transition from Chief Hart in mid-April. I do want to take this opportunity to thank Chief Hart for your help during this last several months and appreciate you keeping us on track and moving us forward. The interim chief I am appointing and will be um, publicly in the press tomorrow is Angela Averett. She is the current chief of Los Altos and will be bringing over two decades of experience in policing and uh, more specifically and interested that I'm interested in is she has been active nationally in the space of police reform and I have asked her to come over here. Um, I have worked with Angela before with the city of Hayward and have a long-term professional relationship with her. Um, while the chief has changed, and I know that's caused disruption in the community as well as with the organization, I wholeheartedly can commit to you that the vision and commitment to reform and professional policing has not from the city manager's office and the city council. That commitment remains steadfast. The next steps for me will be to work collaboratively with the CPRB 
and the community to together develop the attributes that this community desires for its next chief. I do plan to be back in the next few months with a timeline for what that process may look like, including how we interact with the community and design the process on the input from this board for those attributes for the next long-term chief. <coughs> um, with that, I just want to say thank you for your time and patience. I know it has not been um, easy for any of us involved, and um, I appreciate your continued confidence in my leadership of the city. Thank you. <coughs> Thank you. Got anything else from the uh, Yes, uh, just a few other uh, items that I wanted to, to cover as part of tonight's meeting. Um, first off, I wanted to uh, just acknowledge that your board's work and, and Chair Bailey in particular, we've made some, uh, his, his input and feedback. Uh, <coughs> we've made a number of updates to the CPRB website. Um, and as you recall, that's just sanlander.org slash forward slash CPRB. So please, if you haven't had a chance to do so, please check it out. And you can see those, those latest <coughs> updates and try to make it more user-friendly, as well as provide just you know, greater transparency for all the important work that this board does. Uh, additionally, per um, uh, my email that I distributed last week, um, the portal, the application portal, is now fully loaded for our ex-officio youth members. And so, you know, at this point in time, to the extent your board has, and the, and the ad hoc committee that you were recently formed on this specific topic, you know, is, is conducting outreach, please welcome to proceed forward with that outreach work and encourage uh, local youth between the ages of 14 and 22 to apply to serve on those ex officio slots. Just as a practical matter, um, we expect, you know, at a minimum that this, this opportunity and that, that would be available a minimum of 30 days, uh, but it could certainly be, be longer than that. There's no, uh, I would say it's essentially would be considered a rolling application deadline. And then once we have a, a critical mass of applications, we would then ultimately, you know, refer back to that, that existing process that's already codified in our ordinance, whereby any applications would then be referred to the rules committee for consideration. And again, that also aligns with the feedback that your board provided at our last meeting uh, at which, you know, at that meeting where your, your board made, uh, <clears throat> conveyed that it was not an issue. It was, it was primarily focused on outreach efforts as opposed to reviewing the actual application materials. So we're kind of retaining that current structure that was already in place. Um, you want to say anything about the reappointments? Oh, yes. And, of course, um, at last night's council meeting, of course, as, you, as many of you are aware, several of your members of your board uh, were, were nominated um, by, by your respective appointing members of the city council for reappointment for the board, uh, which would bring your uh, terms of office in alignment with those appointing council members. Uh, at this stage, as you also may recall, uh, or Chang is now representing uh, District 6. Two. Two, excuse me, sorry. Thank you. <laughs> District 2, Councilmember Azevedo, uh, is, of course, your former role as the at-large appointee. So what that essentially leaves right now is we have Councilmember uh, Board Member Copeland's position um, is still outstanding because the appointing member is that seat is vacant. So we're still awaiting the outcome of the council's action on that. But again, rest assured, as we've discussed in prior meetings, Councilmember Copeland can continue on indefinitely until action is taken on on a long-term appointment. And once that new position is seated on the council, and in addition to that. Board Member Chang's former slot for that at-large seat is presently vacant at this time. Uh, and then we'll um, await a nominee from, from the mayor. 
happy to answer a question. question. And that is, um, so am I, do I still have a vote and everything else? Oh, yeah, absolutely. As, as Correct. Usual? Correct. That's pretty There's nothing changed. You're over 22, <laughs> so you'd have to vote if you'd be ex officio. Yeah, it's a practical matter. There's no changes to your duties or powers, and you may have to continue on until subsequent action takes place. Okay. Um, is that it? That concludes my report. Thank you. Thank you. Um, let's see if I get this right. What's next? I think now it's the. Uh, uh, Police Department's report. <coughs> Chief? Thank you. Just a real quick, uh, I'd like to report if you have not followed us on social media or watched the uh, City Council meeting a couple weeks ago, I was lucky enough to present uh, to the Council and to the community seven new members of the Police Department. Uh, four of them are officers uh, that will go into the Field Training Patrol program. Uh, three just graduated from the Police Academy. Uh, a few weeks ago, uh, and one was a dispatcher that had uh, put himself through uh, a year-long academy, police academy, so those four went into the FTO program. In addition to that, we had two brand new dispatchers that we hired that are now in dispatcher training, uh, which will last several months, and then we also hired a support services manager to oversee dispatch records, warrants, and uh, property. Uh, hopefully you got to see that on either on social media and or through the uh, city council. But uh, they're they're uh, really eager and interested in, in uh, getting to work for the residents of San Leandro. So all concludes our report. I have just one question for you then. Um, just uh, you know, we need to schedule at some point the uh, review of the mobile ALPR March. policy. So it, will it be on our next agenda? That's our plan. Okay, March. perfect. That's what I need to do. Thank you. Yeah. I made a promise to you. I was just confirming. Thank okay. you. Other things going on. So, all right. Uh, with that, then I think. And that if I just wanted to clarify uh, for everyone else, if we're not familiar, that involves the uh, Axon uh, cameras inside our patrol cars that would uh, videotape essentially uh, the any kind of traffic stop that the officer does uh, from the patrol car perspective. It also records uh, the back seat of uh, the patrol car as well. Uh, and it does have ALPR uh, technology built into it. Uh, so the discussion obviously is going to come back to uh, this board for review and, and consideration and discussion. Terrific. Thank you. Um, uh, at this point, I'd like to move to the IPA's report. Um, which would also include any discussion of the follow-up on the RIPA data, uh, since we had made some specific recommendations and requests. Jeff, the uh, floor is yours. Thank you, Mr. Chair. Um, first, I'd like to extend my thanks to Chief Hart for holding down the fort and for his collaboration with the IPA uh, during his tenure. Uh, we had nothing but cooperation from the chief and really appreciate that and uh, obviously wish you well in all future endeavors. Um, there are two items that I want to discuss. One is use of force and some discussions that I've had with the chair and the second is the uh, RIPA issue. So let's start with use of force if we can and uh, really the the essence of the conversations that I have had 
with the chair is to try and answer the question of how we are going to go about coming up with the new policies or the revision of policies and what role and function will the CPRB have in that given their prior involvement and their prior resolution. So what I would like to suggest and will make a formal suggestion to the department is that we have an informal meeting with the chair and I think we can have up to two other individuals participate in that meeting to really explain the process for the revisions and modifications to the policy and potentially to provide an avenue for input beyond that which has been provided already through the core principle input into those policies. So I will be talking with the department sometime either later this week or next week to pin that down and hopefully we can have that meeting sooner rather than later. So that's number one. Number two, can I just clarify? Of course. You're suggesting a meeting with some representatives of CPRB, mindful of the Brown Act, yourself and PD after you have a chance to talk to PD. Is that kind of a three-way meeting? Yes. And again, the contours of that meeting I would expect would be to just inform you and or those who are in attendance from CPRB of the path that will be followed in order to again amend or modify the use of force policies. Thank you. Does that answer the question? Great. In addition to speaking with the chair, I've also had a conversation with member Copeland about his concerns and I must say those concerns are shared widely relative to the RIPA data and certain aspects of that RIPA data. Specifically, member Copeland was concerned about the number of traffic stops and the disparity of traffic stops between those people of color and white individuals who were stopped. I indicated to member Copeland that we had the ability to dive, we have the data already, to dive more deeply into those numbers separating out types of traffic stops and outcomes for each type of traffic stop as well. I am going to ask the city manager for permission to 
take that deeper dive and to provide those numbers to this board so that they can have a better picture or a more fulsome picture of what's behind those numbers. So that is my intention. I spoke briefly with the city manager this evening about that and she didn't seem to have any objection, but I want to just make sure that that is in fact the case. There was also some concern, and rightly so, about the non-compliance with mandatory reporting, which we had talked about briefly in our audit report, as well as the number of improper stops. I explained to the chair when I spoke with him that those observations were made by us over the period of what we call our data audit, a detailed analysis of tour activity, which was really tour activity over four days. Over those four days, again, we saw some instances in which the data was not completed, and we also saw some issues of stops, which we had discussions with the department about. It is not possible to do those kind of analyses on an everyday basis, but we will, it is our intention in any case, to be doing another audit similar to the one we did in 2023, as well as looking at the RIPA data again. With respect to improper stops and non-compliance, that will be looked at again, and I know that with respect to non-compliance, or I believe that there are some technical solutions that the department is looking at as well. It is my intention to obviously report out our findings when those findings are made. In my opinion, although the board asked for month-over-month comparisons, I don't believe that that data is going to be particularly helpful in any way. I think the more helpful data will be a look at year-over-year comparison, and that can be done by month. So, April 2022 versus April of 2023, for example, is a much better indicator than April of 2024 versus March of 2024. I imparted that information to the chair as well. Happy to answer any questions. With respect to that deeper dive into the RIPA data, I would hope to have that to you all by the next meeting. Thank you. Questions, comments? Hearing none, we will take the case under advisement.
Okay, I just want to make sure that right. I'm clear that I understand. So we're talking about the, the deeper data that goes back to our conversation in terms of looking at the the uh, report from uh, the presentation that was given a couple months ago from uh, uh, September 1st of 2022 to September 30th of 2023. Uh, those who were stopped uh, that were pretext stops, people who were stopped that didn't fit a description, there was not a vehicle that uh, was being looked for, but they just happened to be stopped. And the disparity is so great. And what I have requested was that we find out exactly what the outcomes of those stops were. And since we don't have the, the slide, I just draw to uh, remind everyone of the numbers uh, based on the chart that you, sh that, that you showed that we reviewed again when we talked. And during that period of time, Stops again, and these, these were not individuals who were stopped because they fit a suspect or because they were in a vehicle that was looked that was uh, being looked for. 808 African Americans were stopped, 746 Latinos were stopped, 347 white people were stopped. And uh, what, what uh, I want to know is, you know, what was the outcome? You know, were there arrests? Were there weapons found? Were there fugitives found? Uh, was there contraband of any, of any kind that, that was found? So just to make sure we're on the same page, that's the information that you'll have for us for next month? That is uh, my intention, to have that information for you next month. I, I just want to make one, one uh, slight modification to your statement. Okay. We cannot say that these are protections pretextual stops um, in their entirety. We know that some of them are pretextual stops, but we don't know that all of them are pretextual stops. We will be able to, to suss out um, whether or not stops were for equipment violations or moving violations and maybe even beyond that to some extent, but there is no uh, checkbox, if you will, for a pretextual stop. How is a, is a pretextual stop? Uh, is, is is there a standard uh, uniform definition of, of the, the the phrase pretextual stop? I, I I think there's a commonly accepted definition that, in some in substance, uh, is is that a pretextual stop is that one that is made for a minor violation in order to investigate some other activity other than the minor investigation, the, the minor uh, infraction. Thank you. Other uh, questions or comments from the board? Um, the only comment I would like to make is that um, this issue of pretextual stops as a policy matter, as opposed to data analysis, is something that I think we can and should take up as a board. And I will um, suggest that when we get to the board um, comments at the end, we, uh, I really suggest we uh, make that an action item at our next agenda in uh, March uh, to create an ad hoc committee for that. Okay, so um, <clears throat> is there any public comment on this item? Uh, Douglas? Did yes, I see any other hand? One card. Yes. Oh, 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 it is Douglas, okay. Uh, I 
this board will will make recommendations. It seems the the notion of pretextual is, is um, can be largely subjective and and subject to, to research bias. It is, uh, I must say, somewhat disappointing that, that the analysis isn't ready for uh, this uh, discussion. I, I understand it's a lot of work, but I, I would urge you to include as much information as possible so that people can draw their own conclusions. I think the RIPA data must be viewed in the context of San Leandro's uh, long general history of redlining, a sundowner town, um, you know, a, a racist history, a history of white supremacy, and, and San Leandro Police Department specific history of racist practices. Um, I wanted to address the use of force. I, I think I had to leave the meeting in the middle of your presentation last time, and um, I, I was somewhat disappointed again to look at the, the, the table of recommendations made and additional areas of focus, you know, and they're, they're just sort of general phrases put there, not, nothing too specific. The, the thing that I'm most concerned about is a use of force policy vis-a-vis -vis crowd control, and this would include from the military uh, equipment presentation categories 11, 12, and 14. But this is precisely where other uh, police departments have gotten in trouble, probably most famously locally, the um, Oakland Police Department has been sued time and time again, had their pants sued off to the tunes of millions and millions and millions of dollars. And the last thing I, I'd like to bring up, which you know, um, uh, figures prominently in um, Assistant Chief Torres' presentation on military equipment is, a, is an incident of a barricaded subject. I, I don't know the specifics. It would be you know, good to know the, the date and location and how long it, it ensued for, but I'm wondering if the IPA has had a chance to assess that, um, that incident and whether you uh, are making any recommendations or drawing any conclusions from it. Thank you. Thank you. Is that it for public comment? Okay. Um, I think. I think, um, I think that we're at the point where. I just wanted to say, but I just wanted to say thank you to Jeff for, for giving me the time uh, to to go over and to discuss uh, this issue on your own on your own time. So thank you very much for that. Well, the thanks necessary. It's a very, very important issue. Okay. Um, terrific. Um, I think we have a game plan going forward. Um, so this brings us to uh, action items, I believe, and the main one, which is the review of the military equipment uh, funding acquisition and use policy and inventory. Um, those items were in your packet. Hope you had a chance to look at those. I know I have some questions, but we'll have plenty of chance to uh, give everybody a chance to do that. So, Chief, if you'd like to uh, make your report. Well, thank you, uh, Chair Bailey, uh, members of the board, members of the public. Uh, my name is Luis Torres. This is the police chief, and I will be uh, presenting what ends up being our second annual report uh, regarding the uh, uh, military. Uh, equipment and use policy. <clears throat> Before you get started, what, what were the packets? No, was it was it past the agenda? Sorry, we did have to look at it. It was past the agenda. We were like, sorry, they were attached to the agenda. There were links. So, 
apologies that we don't have hard copies. So what I'll cover today is a kind of a review of what Assembly Bill 481 is, uh, military equipment defined in the category of the different categories, um, what we actually have in those categories, how we've used the uh, military equipment, any concerns that uh, were, were presented to us um, from the community, any policy violations, and then what our additional requests will be uh, moving forward in 2024. So recap, uh, this is a bill that was signed into law by Governor Newsom uh, back on September 30th of 2021. Uh, what this does is increases transparency and accountability and oversight for funding, acquisition, and the use of specified equipment. Uh, provide safeguards to protect the public welfare, uh, safety, and civil liberties, uh, and it also defines uh, the category, uh, it defines and categorizes the military equipment. Uh, this law does require us to seek uh, city council approval uh, before uh, using or procuring, um, using uh, and procuring the, uh, the equipment, and it requires us to do an annual report summarizing the usage, updates, and community concerns, uh, which is what we're doing tonight. <clears throat> Excuse me. Uh, so last year, uh, we did present to CPRB on April 19th of 2023. Uh, the board had unanimously, uh, with a 6-0 vote, one absent, uh, voted to communicate to the council uh, five recommendations made to the police department, and these are all paraphrased for, for the record. So first is to designate the CPRB as the annual community engagement forum, which is why we're here tonight. Uh, specify uh, that items one through four that were listed on our inventory uh, would not be used for deadly force, which we incorporated that into the uh, into the policy. Uh, the request was to ask us to consider excluding or defining exigent circumstances uh, in policy 707, which is our military equipment policy, uh, which we defined the uh, exigent circumstances. And um, consider specifically excluding categories of military equipment, which the department does not currently uh, possess. This is one that we did not incorporate into the policy uh, when we presented to council last year. Uh, by virtue of what council had approved, it would exclude those other items um, that, uh, that we don't currently have or uh, intend to use. And the last is review the policy to assure compliance with Assembly Bill 48, which is the use of chemical uh, agents and kinetic uh, energy projectiles for First Amendment assemblies, which we uh, did in fact take into consideration and put into, into policy. Here's, here is uh, the different categories and highlighted is what we actually have in our inventory and I'll go in a little bit more detail in the next slide. So category one is our unmanned remotely piloted power aerial or ground vehicles. As we presented in the past, we have a tactical robot and a unmanned aerial vehicle, which is a drone. The unmanned robot is uh, and I'll show you a picture of it in a couple slides. It looks like a, uh, like a remote control car with, with tracks on it. Uh, this is used by our, our tactical team to go into areas uh, that would not necessarily be safe or to give us some, some visual of a uh, particular area. <clears throat> Categories two and three, we kind of group these together because they're, they're, uh, they're combined with our uh, armored vehicle. So this is our, uh, our medevac armored vehicle and then there's an attachment to it where we can put a battering ram on it if we needed to uh, breach a, a door or a, a solid object. Category five is our two command posts that we have. We have a mobile command post and we have a hostage negotiations um, operation command vehicle. Category seven is um, 
the breaching shotguns, which uh, we do have breaching shotguns. Uh, we don't have the rounds yet, uh, but we do intend at some point to uh, train our staff and to have those in our inventory. That's why we're listing it. Uh, category 10 is our rifles. We have AR-15s, we have uh, sniper rifles, and no, sorry, I moved the, I'm operating off of two, uh, thank you, Chief. Uh, two systems here. Uh, and the rifle ammunition. Uh, category 11 is uh, firearms or firearm accessories that are designed to launch explosive projectiles. So we have beanbag shotguns and a 40 millimeter launcher, which uh, launches, uh, can, it can do gas or impact rounds. Category 12 is our flashbangs, uh, for lack of a, a better term, and, uh, and chemical agents. And category 14, similar to category 11, um, we want to be completely transparent. I, I think they follow both categories, but same thing with our, our, uh, our launchers, our beanbag shotguns, and our, and our beanbags. Here's a photo of the equipment. On the top left is a picture of a drone. It's a it's a uh, one that I pulled off the internet. We have uh, three three different types of drones. Um, yeah, we have three drones that we have. The second picture is the uh, the robot that I mentioned earlier. It's got a camera on it and uh, the ability to uh, correct me if I'm wrong, Dan Robertson, hear and speak if need be. And then on the, the top right is some of our munitions that have uh, impact rounds and gas. And then the bottom three photos, the one on the left, is our uh, hostage negotiations uh, vehicle, our medevac in the middle, and our, and our command post. The command post, you'll see uh, at Cherry Festival or at, uh, at events that we have throughout, uh, throughout the city. Next slides are going to be what we actually used from May 1st of 2023 to December 31st. Of 2023, so we're we're going to start reporting out on a calendar year versus a, a 12 month rolling period. It just makes it easier for us on the documentation and the reporting out to go calendar year versus what we did last year, which we went from uh, uh, I believe April 30th to, to April 30th, 2023, to May 1st of uh, 22 to 23. <clears throat> so under category one which is our unmanned aerial vehicles, our drones. We had 25 deployments, and those range from barricaded subjects, uh, scene mapping, and then also searching for a uh, wide range of individuals, whether they were armed, robbery suspects, um, suspects of some type of crime, evidence retrieval, and then missing persons. Uh, we did not utilize it, or we did not utilize our, our robot. And one thing that I will note is that although we have equipment in each of the categories, we didn't necessarily utilize uh, some of the equipment in the, uh, in the other categories. Category uh, two and three, which is our medevac armored vehicle, we had eight deployments. And it was uh, for barricaded subjects, call of an active shooter, uh, call of an armed subject, and a shooting investigation that we were, um, that we were dispatched to. Category five, our mobile command post, we had five deployments, uh, one of which was a Cherry Festival last year, and uh, the uh, another one was a barricaded subject command post. Uh, we did not utilize our uh, housing negotiations command uh, vehicle at all. For our uh, flashbangs, 
Uh, we had two, de two deployments, and the one thing that I'll, uh, I'll talk about here, I think it was mentioned in public comment, is uh, a lot of the usage did uh, come out of one incident that we had, and I'll have Captain Khan at the end of the presentation talk a little bit about it, because we deployed uh, a lot of our equipment to this. It was our medevac, our command post, our drones, our 40 millimeter launcher, and again, he'll go into specifics as far as that, that particular incident. <clears throat> uh, the 40 millimeter launcher, uh, we had one deployment uh, with six different uh, devices. And again, this is that one incident that uh, we'll go into a little bit more detail about. Um, with the gas ferret rounds, uh, it was used six times with a launcher. And then the, uh, the gas canister was two deployments. And again, these were all the same, the same incident. Uh, community complaints or concerns received uh, throughout the year, uh, we received none. And during our deployment of the equipment, uh, we found no policy violations in the deployment. Uh, what we acquired in 2023 is we acquired uh, seven drones. Five of those were the DJI uh, M30T, uh, Matrice Jones uh, drones, and two smaller drones. We these replaced uh, six of our older drones and then two of our smaller drones. So we we had eight in our fleet, and we replaced seven of those. Costs associated with our, our uh, mobile command post in November of 2023. Uh, we had some maintenance issues with it, uh, the starter and the generator, and we had uh, uh, oil change that came out to about $2,000. <coughs> and uh, this is the uh, moving forward in 2024. Uh, we do wanna purchase one more uh, Matrice drone uh, because we decommissioned eight in 2023, but we only replaced seven. So we're not netting any, any drones, we just wanna replenish our, our drones. And the anticipated cost is about uh, ten thousand dollars. <coughs> in twenty twenty three, uh, we were approved to purchase forty rifles uh, when we presented the council. And the purpose of this replacement was to replace the personally owned rifles and older rifles that we have in our inventory. Uh, in twenty uh, this fiscal year, we did budget for twenty. Uh, we, and we placed the order uh, this month. Uh, for a total of uh, almost $52,000. And the goal is to purchase the remaining 20 fiscal year 24-25. And again, it's to replace uh, older rifles and uh, to get rid of our personally owned rifles. Additional acquisitions um, that we want to make in 2024 is replenished. Uh, Uh, additional uh, acquisitions is with some of our older rifles, instead of uh, getting rid of them, we want to um, uh, convert the ex existing uh, SWAT rifles to patrol use and replace the, uh, uh, the upper receivers on them to make them ready for patrol use. And, and uh, my understanding uh, from our range staff is that those need to be periodically uh, replaced uh, to make them functional. Uh, the total price of that would be about $10,000 to uh, uh, fix those, those 16 rifles and make them ready for patrol use. 
Additionally, it's uh, replenish our rounds to what we have uh, listed in our, in our uh, 2023 uh, inventory sheet. It's uh, so a purchase approximately 27,000 rounds to get us to 75,000. 75, Same thing with our 308 admission. It's purchased additional rounds to get us back to the 40 or the 4,000 that we had last year. Uh, again, these are all replenishment. These are not any net new items from uh, from previous years. Uh, replenish our to 39 canisters on our uh, our barricade rounds, and then our uh, distractionary devices or, or flashbangs. Uh, purchase an additional 11 to get us back to 31 we had before. And again, as I mentioned, uh, there's no new net items in our request for 2024. It's just getting us back to where we were uh, earlier in the year. And we are uh, requesting no, uh, no policy changes made to the, uh, to the document at this point. And with that, I will turn it over to Captain Khan to talk about that incident uh, where we had multiple replies. Thanks, Chief. Do you mind uh, going back to page 12 of your slide so that way it's a little bit easier for me? <coughs> Uh, so this particular incident that uh, Assistant Chief Torres is talking about occurred on uh, Sunday, June 11th of 2023, uh, about 11.30 in the morning. Uh, Sunday, the police officers responded to an armed uh, robbery involving a firearm at a convenience store in the north end uh, of our city. Our initial uh, officers arrived uh, and used flock security camera and uh, determined that the getaway suspect vehicle <coughs> uh, was a uh, stolen vehicle that uh, left the area. Uh, citywide, that alert was uh, pushed out to all of the officers about three hours after the initial uh, robbery that occurred. Flock once again alerted that the uh, stolen vehicle was back in our city. Uh, officers uh, began looking, actively looking for the uh, suspect vehicle and uh, located in the parking lot. While attempting to uh, conduct an enforcement stop and uh, potentially get a suspect in the armed robbery into custody, uh, that suspect uh, rammed our uh, patrol vehicle uh, quite heavily, uh, which resulted in a vehicle pursuit uh, that uh, ultimately ended in the city of Oakland uh, near the intersection of 75th Avenue and Sanger Street. Because of the fact that uh, this was a stolen vehicle and it had uh, heavily rammed uh, a uniformed police officer in the patrol vehicle, uh, and we believe that the uh, suspect was armed uh, with a handgun, related to the initial uh, robbery. Uh, officers did not approach the suspect and uh, attempted to negotiate with a suspect in the uh, vehicle, who uh, obviously did not uh, exit the car and uh, remain barricaded. Uh, as a result, a uh, tactical operations team uh, was activated. Uh, the team consists of uh, our SWAT officers and uh, officers negotiators. Uh, I was the on-call uh, executive uh, member for the department and I responded uh, from my residence to the city of Oakland. Uh, in the meanwhile, I uh, continued to communicate with uh, the uh, uh, command staff members that were on scene. Uh, during that point, a, a UAV was uh, deployed by our officers and we were able to uh, uh, see based off of the uh, drone that the uh, suspect was likely armed with a, a gun and that he was potentially uh, storing some sort of a, uh, a substance. Um, a medevac vehicle was requested uh, for our officers, which arrived on scene. We uh, also requested additional uh, assistance from the uh, city of Oakland, and Oakland police officers did respond. Uh, 
about four hours of active negotiations uh, took place. It was uh, uh, unsuccessful. Uh, by this time, our uh, tactical operations commander uh, was on scene, and a uh, tactical decision was made to deploy six uh, CS, or essentially um, gas canisters, uh, into or around the vehicle. That was uh, unsuccessful. Some additional negotiations uh, took place around about the hour five of uh, negotiations. And keep in mind, 75th and uh, 78th Street is quite a busy area, and, and uh, a large perimeter around that street was completely blocked off, including ingress and egress uh, to the bar station. Uh, ultimately, a CS uh, gas, which is con uh, uh, which is a bird safe, it is actually contained within a container, uh, was deployed, uh, it was deployed twice, and uh, the suspect, although it appeared that uh, there was going to be some effect, uh, the suspect refused to uh, exit a canine uh, through a neighboring uh, police department was deployed, and there was a very violent struggle, and uh, our officers ultimately were, were able to safely uh, take the suspect into custody and recover the uh, firearm. Great, thank you. And one thing that I'll, uh, one other thing that I'll note is I, I had mentioned regarding the personal rifles, uh, our goal is to uh, get rid of them and we will as soon as the uh, these other 20 come in. Uh, we currently have left in our inventory only only four uh, personnel rifles. And as soon as the other rifles come in and we make those conversions, uh, we'll have no personnel rifles on the street. And with that, Chair Bailey, I'll turn it back over to you. Thank you. Um, I have a question. Yeah, I'll go right around. So, oh, oh, sorry. Go ahead. You have a question? Or just, a, just a quick question. Uh, we mentioned that uh, eight um, drones are going to be decommissioned. What happens to decommissioned equipment like that? Uh, is it resold like a police surplus or something? Or no, so we actually reached out to our partners at the fire department to see if they have any use for the uh, uh, for the drones, the ones that are that are still usable. That way, they can utilize it for um, their uh, any purposes they need for fire. Um, and if not, we'll just uh, we'll just destroy them. I have a question. Uh, sure, go ahead. So I have. Sorry. Um, so I noticed the fact that you guys said there was no community complaints, right? Good. What was the year from, from that when you guys said that there was no community complaints? Uh, so this was from the, the May 1st of 20, uh, May 1st of uh, 23 to December uh, 2023. So there's like every no no complaints against anybody? Any? No, uh, regarding regard the use of the equipment. Oh. Yeah. Oh, okay. this, this is specifically to the, the military equipment. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah, and we, and we have, so uh, we have an, on, our, on our website, uh, on our website, we have uh, how they can submit uh, complaints or concerns regarding our military equipment. Oh, okay. And okay. I receive no emails, no phone calls. Okay, thanks for that. Okay, other uh, board member questions or comments? Um, well, uh, it will shock you to know I have some. Um, so let me go into those. First of all, um, when you going over the deployments, um, and I think I had shot you an email before, there were three categories of, uh, that were seemed to be absent from this presentation. 
Um, those were. Um, it was 7, 10, and 11, I believe. Thank you. Yes, and uh, the reason we didn't report out is because we had no usage uh, during the year for that for those three items. No usage for 7, 10, and 11, right? Yes. Okay. And uh, for everybody here on those, it's uh, uh, the battery rams or breaching shotguns or breaching rounds, the uh, deployment of, of rifles, and the deployment of the uh, beanbag shotgun. So, so beanbag shotgun was not used at all in that reporting period? Correct. We used the 40 millimeter launcher. So we reported the 40 millimeter under category 14. Okay, so you used the launcher, but not the shotgun. Correct. Okay. Um, all right, so let me, uh, <clears throat> we can move to um, deployments for the category one. Uh, yeah. So my only question here is, um, has it been, has there been any complaints about the use of the drones from a privacy perspective um, made any citizens? Um, I mean, you described the drone being used for kind of mapping purposes in response to specific incidents, but I'm wondering if you've had any complaints about the use of drones more generally. Uh, no, none, none that, uh, that came through me uh, on the complaints, and that goes for uh, for all of the equipment that we have listed here. And then through like internal affairs? No. Okay. Thank you. Um, next question I've got is uh, category two and three. Um, when you described, and I appreciate the uh, Captain Hunt's uh, detailed account of that barricaded subject incident, um, was um, the medvac vehicle, and how is that used in a situation like that? Is it to tr transport officers? Is it to provide cover, or is it used in some way to, to try to deter the subject? What's, how is it actually used? Uh, Lieutenant Robertson, you want to kind of cover usage of a, of a vehicle? Yes, sir. So in that instance, it is a microphone. And uh, just to, so Lieutenant Robertson is our uh, our tactical operations uh, commander, our SWAT team. Right. Okay. Yes, sir. So the um, the medivac vehicle is used essentially as a large mobile shield, where we can uh, put tactically in a position, remain behind it, free from uh, being affected by gunfire and such. Uh, we typically will have a member of our hostage negotiation team sitting in the front passenger seat. He has the he or she has the ability to communicate with uh, anyone we're trying to contact via the PA system. Great. Um, thank you. Um, Category five. Um, uh, I'm just curious: is how how is the the mobile hostage negotiation camp command vehicle different from the other mobile command post? Are they two actually two different vehicles, two different equipment? Correct. And uh, I want to put on the record here that I, I realize I made a mistake here on the number of deployments. It's only been two deployments. I think I listed five on there. Okay. So it's only two deployments, and it was on one incident that the Captain Thomas discussed, and then the, uh, the Sherry Festival. Okay. Uh, so, uh, where are my so how? Yeah, just how are they different? Those two vehicles. Lieutenant <clears throat> uh, Robinson, you want to cover? Since it's your. Uh... Yes, sir. So if we're looking at the photo on the bottom right, that is what we refer to as our NOC, our Negotiations Operations Center. 
And that is primarily the function of our hostage negotiation team that houses all of their communication equipment, and that is where negotiations will occur uh, with our um, team members and, and people we are trying to negotiate with. Um, in the center, this is uh, our medivac. Right. This is our armored vehicle, but you were specifically asking about the, the two on the outside. This is our mobile command center. Now this essentially is the, the brains of our operation. This is our command post. So this is the hub of the information where all of the um, department heads, all of the vested interests and stakeholders will congregate, formulate plans, share intelligence, and um, essentially run the operation from here. Terrific. Thank you. Thank you. Moving along, uh, uh, that's all I have. And then if we can move now to the actual uh, acquisitions, uh, if we can move to uh, the category 10 for 2024. Um, so, if I'm hearing you right, um, and then I, re I remember two years ago, this was actually raised as the, by the city council a concern about the use of personal um, firearms. And so I appreciate that the department has been responsive to that. Um, uh, has there yet been or will there be a change in your policy that now precludes the use of personal uh, firearms? Because um, you're, you're not reporting any changes in policies now, but it seems like it's a change. So. Yeah, so we'll remove those from our inventory, and um, we'll look at our, our firearms policy, and if the, the language is in there, we'll remove it. So I can, I can report that out to council. Okay. As soon as we, I appreciate um, in our presentation, uh, if, if we go next month, I can add that to the uh, presentation that will remove any language of personally owned uh, rifles at that point. Thank you, especially since they, they were the ones that raised the issue, so I think that's smart to do that. Um, under the next the next slide under category 10, um, these are the more specialized rifles, I, I believe, the, the next slide, um, right? And I'm, I guess I'm trying to understand how and why those are being converted for, for regular patrol officer use, since my understanding is those specialized rifles are intended to be for longer term, longer range accuracy and whatnot, and why would you be now using those along with your standard rifles? So the, the new rifles we're, we're acquiring are going to go to the SWAT team, and these are the ones that the SWAT team currently has, so we're going we're to push those down to our patrol, and that's why the conversion is to make them ready for, for patrol use. And, and what's the conversion actually do? Lieutenant uh, Roberts, I'm going to turn it over to you. So, sorry to clear up any confusion, uh, you mentioned the specific SWAT rifle, the longer range. Uh, you're referring to the 308 rifles, which we have a, a select amount of those. Those are what we refer to our, our sniper rifles. Those right. are longer distance, and predominantly they have a better scope, a longer range, they're more accurate. And, and um, it's not these. It's not these. Gotcha. So, I just wanted to clear that up so that we're on the same page. Um, these in particular, so we did purchase 20 rifles to outfit to our SWAT team members. Um, some of which uh, did have personally owned rifles, which we will be taking those off the street, meaning they are not for patrol use, and they, they are now their personally owned guns, not allowed at work, and they will get brand new rifles. 
to make these uh, existing rifles ready for patrol, it's essentially a maintenance issue. It's not an upgrade. We're not we're not changing it um, for any sort of um, upgraded purpose. It's more they're older rifles. They're still functional to a, to a point um, to make them optimal and to make them um, uh, make sure the integrity of uh, the, the shot placement and things of that nature is we need to replace the upper part of the gun. Now the rifle has a lower receiver, which is completely fine, and that's why we're not buying brand new rifles, we're just buying the upper upper portions. The rifles that we currently have right now on the SWAT team, they were purchased in roughly 09, 2010, and they've got approximately 15,000 to 20,000 rounds that have passed through it in training, and they're beyond their um, lifespan, essentially. So with these uh, 16 additional upper receivers, we intend on uh, just ensuring the integrity of the firearm and then re reusing them, essentially, for patrol officers. Thank you. So, th so these, I'll call them converted rifles, have a, a greater capacity than your standard rifles for the patrol officers, or are they the same? No, sir. They, they're completely the same. That's, thank you. Um, almost done. Uh, for the uh, category 12. Um, the, uh, it looks like you're increasing your arsenal by a certain number. I think six for the ferrets and 11 for the, uh, the uh, distractionary devices. Um, why more? So it's not, uh, it's not increasing it, it's getting us back to where we were last year with our number. So we utilize, uh, we utilize some of these uh, during the uh, uh, deployment. So we just want to replenish them to get back to where we, we were at. So you had 39, you used six, you're gonna get back to 39. Correct. And I got it. It's just the way you phrased it, it made it sound like you're adding. So, okay. Got it. And then with the, uh, the distressuring device, uh, I believe we used two on that one incident, the other okay. usages were training. Okay. Um, and when we talked about the policy change that, uh, that uh, you're going to bring to the council's attention on the, this, uh, stopping the use of personal rifles, those were all the questions I had. Um, uh, any other questions of that spur for other board members? Um, I think we, um, do you think public comment, if there's any? Um, do we have any cards for public comment on this? Um, yes, Chair, we have two cards, one from Douglas and one from Darlene. Okay. And more in the audience, it looks like. Excuse me? It looks like we have a few more in the audience. Oh. Um, well, I, pr I appreciate that you um, acknowledge the this uh, CPRB's recommendations of the city council last spring. Uh, the two that kind of stick out to me are the, the one that said that consider excluding or um, deleting uh, or defining exigent circumstances, and then the very next one, consider specifically excluding categories of military equipment which the, part, the department does not um, currently possess. Uh, so it sounds like you considered it and you rejected that recommendation and it didn't get us anywhere. Um, I believe the principle of de-escalation suggests that we should 
take an approach that employs the least necessary arms and the least necessary military equipment. And instead, it seems that SLPD is pursuing further militarization, which I don't think, I don't believe, makes the city any safer. Uh, I'm, I'm happy that we're making progress in taking private uh, rifles uh, off the streets. I think it's really good. I, I don't understand where the, you know, are the four coming out of somebody's trunk or are they stored in the police department in a secure way? I would like clarification on that. But uh, it, it's beyond me why we need so many damn assault rifles. Okay, you know, equip the 16 members of the SWAT, which is not 20, with assault rifles, which are secured in the police department and deployed in uh, incredible uh, circumstances. And, and by the way, I, I just I want to take a moment to uh, appreciate your riveting description. Sounds like a difficult and um, complex situation, and I, I think under your excellent command, Captain Conlon, police department did really well. But I, I just can't, I mean, what, are we are we in the British Army expecting the Zulus to come over the, the ridge there, or you know, like why, why are we so uh, in battle here. And, and I, I never am going to support the Bearcat. It seems like a very expensive shield to uh, protect us from hand. Thank you. Thank you. Who's that? Okay. So, so who's the next public comment? Um, the Darlene? If there's any comment before me, could they go first? Yours is the next car. Yeah, there, there aren't any other cars, are there? So, no, you're dead. Thank you. I took a radio course. I'm 76 and a half. I want to be long playing record. You and the police department want to live long too. I live about a block from Pono Plaza. I picked up one thing about this big after it exploded by the police department. My understanding is that the Walgreens, which has been broken into five times and I'm seeing kids come out of it, that they charge them a thousand dollars. And I think it's because of the cost of the equipment. So four personal rifles are left. My father, in his garage in Oakland, where I grew up, uh, made his own rifle. He had machinery because he picks buses. He let people go places and do things. Pommel Plaza is ridden with dirt, grime, and incapacity of the four businesses. And I wonder about the schools. I wonder about that big gymnasium that's going to be there, the parking and so on and so forth. You've got rifles and such like that. How do you use them? I come here tonight and there's people that are 17 years of age who don't identify who they are. Now I don't know if I'm on Facebook because he wants to use a skateboard right on your little monument about the metal and such like that. And I says, this is inappropriate. And they leave in a nice small little car. But unless your police department starts going into the schools and saying, this is appropriate, this is inappropriate, there are irrigation covers that are undone. These kids don't know what they're doing or how they're doing it, and they don't care. There is Valdez that is up for sale. Over $4 million he wants it. It had a $400,000 loan from the city. What is it going to do? You're going to have problems there if you get the wrong stuff? 7-Eleven, I was ready to pick at that place. They had dangling electric um, stuff on the right-hand side for two months before. Thank you. Right. Um, 
So that's, we have the presentation, we've had our discussion. Um, uh, excuse me, Chair. <coughs> I think we have one more topic. Oh, did I? Oh, sorry. <coughs> Hello. Um, Assistant Chief Torres, thank you for your presentation. That was great. Um, and I also think that it's great that the SLPD has unmanned aerial vehicles uh, that can be used to scope out. Uh, thank you. They can be used to uh, scope out situations and hopefully reduce the risk to officers. Um, one question I did have about that uh, was um, if there are any limitations on how the, the UAVs can be used. Um, uh, Bob Bailey brought up the question about if there were any complaints, and I know there haven't been any complaints about it, but I was wondering if there are situations where um, they're not supposed to be used or if like, there are any limitations on that. Um, and I was also wondering uh, what the purpose of the Category 11 equipment is um, and what situations that is intended to be used for. Thank you. Um, thank you. Um, so, again, so we've had our public comment, we've had some discussion, we've heard the presentation. This would be the time if there's any action you feel as a board we should take. Um, um, does anybody have anything to say? Uh, I do, of course. Um, so I'm going to give you guys a chance first. Um, so um, here's what I'd like to propose. Um, and I appreciate that the department um, included in their presentation the review of the recommendations we made last year. So as you've heard, there were three of our recommendations that were accepted. Um, designating us as the, as the community forum for the annual review, um, adding reference to AB 48 and the restrictions on use of certain conditions for crowd control for first uh, amendment assemblies, and you know, the prohibiting the weapon and weaponization of the robots and the, the uh, drones. Um, those were all accepted um, last year. Um, one was rejected, that was our specific recommendation that there are five categories that uh, evidently the department um, does not now have in its inventory and it would seem to, at least up to this point, had no need to have those five categories. We had recommended last year that those five categories be specifically excluded from future per, uh, purchases. It is true, as uh, Assistant Chief Torres points out, that the department can only use what the council authorizes it to use. The gist of the recommendation we made last year was to have some affirmation of a community standard in the policy that would say, here's where we draw the line. These five categories, we do not want the department to be able to purchase in the future. They include things like um, water cannons, uh, uh, tanks, um, 50 caliber machine guns, things that may seem obviously off the, you know, over the top for what you might imagine for them. Um, and I personally think we should reaffirm that, um, especially since the council is going to get the benefit of this, reaffirm our interest in pushing that recommendation. And the other recommendation that was partially accepted, which was the department did not, although they did not explain uh, why, did not accept our request to uh, eliminate the exigent circumstances uh, exception, which essentially allows the chief or his designee at his sole discretion, or her sole discretion, to uh, uh, 
and run whatever restrictions are in the policy under exigent circumstances. Um, there is a very general definition that uh, was added to the policy, so that's better than nothing. Interestingly enough to, to me, that policy doesn't even go so far as to say, though, that in an imminent, dangerous, threatening situation, um, exigent circumstances could be declared even without having to affirm for the record that none of the existing arsenal would be adequate to address the uh, situation. And having heard the extent of the arsenal that our department has, you know, that would seem to me to be, at a minimum, uh, uh, a hole in the current definition that I think could be addressed. Um, council members, as I recall, because I was there, actually questioned Chief Bridget about those two particular items. Um, the chief, as he left the podium, actually said at the time he was open to the exclusions of those categories if it was okay with the city attorney. Nothing's been happened since. Um, you know, we knew there'd be another annual review, so I'm encouraging us to take that up again now. Um, and as far as the um, the exigent circumstances, again, I would remind this board um, that other cities have chosen not to include the exigent circumstances uh, exception to the policy. That includes Alameda and Richmond, if I recall. Um, and there are probably others because I haven't done another round of research since last year. Um, and um, I'll just add um, my impressions from that council meeting. The, so at least some of the council members really questioned, like we were, the need for that uh, exigent circumstances given the extent of the arsenal the department's already authorized to use. Um, and the Chief Pritchett um, said, um, I feel that I need to be able to do whatever I need to do to protect this community, and that's what I'm prepared to do. Um, he had a lot of uh, trust at the council level, and essentially the council deferred to that, although they said, ironically now, um, but you know, you may not be here forever. Well, lo and behold. So um, it's why you know we were raising this as an issue to be you know, memorialized in policy as opposed to just depending on the wisdom or the, the judgment of uh, whoever happens to be the chief. Not that the city makes bad decisions about that, but that's the role of policy is to create some something that can uh, provide guardrails uh, and guidance going forward, regardless of who's in that responsibility. So that's my pitch, is I've got specific language I, uh, that I can read to you for the record that we, if there was a motion, if there was a second to my motion, but I'd first like to get your reaction to that. Do you think it's worth revisiting these two particular policy issue aspects since they were not fully materialized in our uh, last year? And I still, obviously from my point of view, they're still relevant. Comments, questions, concerns? Tim. Uh, I think we should look at uh, following the example already set by Alameda and Richmond and excluding this language. I think it's uh, a loophole. You're talking about the exit to service. Yes. Did uh, I see your hand, Joseph? Somebody was over there. I agree we should look, look into it and bring it up. 
Does anybody disagree with your reaffirming those two recommendations? Okay, then if um, if there's no further comment, then let me just then propose a motion. Um, Second. <laughs> I know you want to get out of here. No, no, it's not that. I heard everything you said. I was going to say it before you read it. We need to be clear for the record because it's got to be documented as a formal action. So I'll just read it um, and, then, and then I'll make sure you're the first to second it. Um, City clerk will appreciate it. So, for the benefit of the clerk in particular, here's my motion. Um, the CRP. CPRB would like to renew its previous recommendations from 2023 to one, add to the SLPD policy number 707, specific language excluding from future acquisition the following uh, equipment categories as defined under AB 481, which the SLPD does not currently possess or apparently need. Category number four, which is tracked armored vehicles. Category number six, which is weaponized aircraft of any kind. Category eight and nine, which are firearms and ammunition uh, for firearms in uh, 50 calibers or more. And category 13, tasers, shockwave, microwave weapons, water cannons, and long range acoustic devices. Um, uh, the second part of the, the uh, recommendation, the second recommendation is to delete from SLPD policy <coughs> section 707.7 .7, the section that authorizes the chief or his designee to override the authorized uses of military equipment whenever in good faith he or she believes there is an emergency involving the danger of or imminent threat of death or serious physical injury uh, to any person or destruction of personal property, unquote. So that's the brief. Board of order, should there be two motions then? And I'm recommending, the, 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 I don't think so, because the, the recommendations that we read from the two recommendations we made before, that I'm just listing what they were. I just went detail with them. Chair, I have a question. Can you, the, the exigent circumstance piece, can you reread re that portion? Yeah, what it, uh, the, the recommendation is to delete from the SLPD policy 707.7, .7, which is the section this we're talking about, that authorizes the chief or his designee to override the authorized uses of military equipment whenever in good faith he or she believes there is an emergency involving the danger of imminent threat excuse me, involving the danger of or imminent threat of death or a serious physical injury to any persons or destruction of personal property. That particular language, just to clarify, is what was substituted for the words educate circumstances. It is that definition that they put in there. But again, there's nothing that says you, know, you would go outside the uh, authorized uses of, um, uh, by having to say, well, that what we have is not going to be adequate for the particular situation we're dealing with. There's nothing that says that. And it's all the more reason to delete it entirely, in my view, the authority to do that. And it's subject to review every year. So um, it's not like it's for all time, um, but it feels like an important uh, step. So you had a point of clarification. Did you, oh, yeah. And uh, do you now want a second? I can miss a second. And I, I have a question for the city attorney regarding this piece here. Um, if we run into a situation where we need to borrow a uh, Say another, uh, another uh, armored vehicle or something from another agency because of the circumstance that we're facing. 
um, and it is it is utilized. What is that? What impact does that have on on our on our agency? You're directing that to me. Yes. Um, so, so if I understand the question, um, I think what you're asking is if you still have the ability to do so, uh, and that is a separate provision of the policy for the use of that. Um, so I think should this provision be considered by the police department, the revisions of exigent circumstances, we could work with you to make sure that it's um, consistent with the remainder of the policy and revise any other section that would need to be revised. If that answers your question. Thank you. I mean, one of the things that I remember that came up from our discussion last time was we raised the question of what happens when you do call for mutual aid and you bring in another agency with whatever restrictions we have in our policy on the use of military equipment apply to that responding agency? And the answer was no. That um, that agency's policy is going to prevail. And the argument that was made to us to not propose a change to that in the policy was that if we have a policy that says you can't come into our jurisdiction with anything that's not authorized for use here. We won't get the contracts we need with those mutual aid agencies to respond when we need them. And at the time, we deferred to that. I don't know if that makes sense, but that's how we got there. So I think this is a related question. So if, you, if it's mutual aid coming in now with a vehicle that we're not authorized to have, there's nothing that bars that, as I understand it, from happening. Our policy will not prevent that from occurring. Now, if we borrow to use it ourselves, Slightly different question, which I'll leave to the city attorney to figure out. But um, I think that was what your question was, right? Um, Chair, let, let me answer that question uh, with a little bit of a comment, if you don't mind. Uh, sure. I, I would tell you I, I believe that your request will be a difficult challenge for any chief of police. And the reason being is because we don't know what we don't know for any kind of situation. We could list a dozen different set of circumstances throughout uh, the nation, if not this state alone, where we don't know how they're going to unfold. You know, of course we want to use de-escalation tactics every step of the way. Of course we want to provide safety security, all right, for the surrounding neighborhood or residents and so forth, including the circumstances that's causing the event. Uh, I don't know of any police situation where they don't want uh, to be successful and get somebody out. But at the same time, uh, you're, you would be tying the hands of any chief of police where if you specifically state that you cannot use any equipment uh, for any set of circumstances. Uh, and I agree with the comment of concern with mutual aid. There, we don't have, as you can tell, from our military list. We don't have every single equipment. In fact, you know, most of you know my history. I came from the Alameda County Sheriff's Office. We have double, if not triple, that kind of equipment. And it's all public record as well. So I think that I would be concerned with such a stringent requirement uh, or policy. Uh, and I think that I would really struggle with trying to find, ideally, a compromise or happy medium. But I think that we have to be mindful of, we have we have a number of other policies that would still take effect and still be involved. All right. Obviously, we think about life and safety and the whole circumstances and want to make sure that we preserve that at any time. So 
for the record, uh, I, I, I would really kind of uh, be mindful of the fact that we we did what you guys asked us to do, and that was to cite the set of circumstances or exigent circumstances, and we did that. But I think that um, you know we have to we have to realize the world that we live in today, uh, and we have to realize the amount of weapons or and the sophistication of circumstances today that exist, and we have to be uh, always prepared to preserve life. Uh, and that's a, I know that's a lot, and I know that there's a, a huge trust factor in, in that as well, but I think that any chief will, will sit there and will have to make a really very difficult decision based on the circumstances, and I think that this body is absolutely uh, assisting us moving forward in a proactive and innovative way for reform, but I would be really cautious in my mind to want to ever agree to something like this based on your proposal, based on your motion, because it ties our hands. And Chief Doris, if you wanted to add anything to that, feel free. Uh, you took the words out of my mouth because we don't know what we don't know at this point um, with what happens, and it's it's you know very difficult. And I think you know we've shown. Uh, the times that we've used it, how we've used it. Uh, again, so on our second report out to council or to, to the community and eventually to council on how we've used it. And you know, we don't want to be caught in a situation where there's something that we need that we don't know what we need at this point. And you know, whether it's a, a plan event coming on, and we need to acquire uh, more of a particular item than we have, um, or something that we don't have that may fall under our our categories. Okay, um, I get it, I've heard it um, before. <laughs> um, the I don't, don't know what we don't know kind of ignores some of the huge options you have in a really dire circumstance, not the least of which is mutual aid itself. We've already said, you know, you, you've invited agencies to help you in a situation where they might have equipment you don't. Sheriff's a good example, although interestingly enough, even the Sheriff's Department has decommissioned their 50 caliber machine guns that they used to have. So, um, you know, some of that came from the public being outraged that those even existed in the arsenal of the Sheriff's Office. So I don't think what we're doing here in trying to express our local community concerns about having some limits on the militarization of our department are you know, consistent with what's happening around the country. Um, so we have a second. Um, can we have uh, take a vote on uh, unless there's further comment based on what you've heard from the chief? Okay. Uh, all those in favor of the motion? Aye. 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 Okay. That is uh, six O with one vacancy. Um, and I will um, send you Eric the uh, case it wasn't clear from my mumbling into the mic. Um, we're running out of time again, um, and I'm going to, before I get lynched, I'm going to try to race through the rest, um, if that's okay. But thank you all. Um, the, uh, I'm going to suggest the work plan be carried over um, because um, two things. One is that um, now, as you've uh, heard from our city manager, we're going to have to incorporate into our work plan how we uh, work with the city manager's office on the recruitment and selection process um, for uh, a new chief. 
So I, I will admit the work plan and, and we can formally adopt it at the next meeting. Um, As a formality. Uh, anybody object to that? Gary, go carry that over. <laughs> I don't have see. to get a vote, a majority vote, to continue an agenda item. Um, but if, if there's no objection, can I? Yeah. So there's no objection, correct? So I'll, yeah. we'll carry that over. Um, what did you, I'm sorry. What did I do? So, no, I'm following the agenda. Are, are we on like 6B? 6B? B. Yeah, our work plan, which, was a, which also was a link. Um, uh, okay, well, so we just carried that over. Um, I'm also going to, if there's no objection, suggest they carry over our elections, um, in part because it will not be, formally, it won't be till the first meeting of the council in March that the three of us have just been reappointed will, will be sworn in. And we still have a well. We have a vacancy. Separate question of whether we continue to hold out the elections until the vacancy is filled, or or we have more certainty about Brian's status. Um, that's your call. But let's just carry it over for discussion at the next meeting. Um, and then we have a um, adoption of the minutes from January seventeenth. Do I have any? Uh, uh, I would I would move that we. Uh, um, Accept those minutes from January 17th. Uh, second. second. Okay. And all those in favor? Aye. 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 Any abstain? Okay, so it's another 601 vacancy. Um, on the minutes? Yeah, it's an action taken. Oh, sorry, Because it was an action Oh, I'm assuming there's, uh, if there's any public comment on our minutes, please let us know right now. Um, Yes? Could you take out the statement of the word that you used, uh, Lynch? Can you take that out of the record? Because that was inappropriate to say. I'm not sure what. It's what you just said. You in your remarks. Mm -hmm. It was about you being quiet. Did you use the word Lynch? Can you take that out? I just want to clarify, perhaps. We're reviewing the minutes from the last meeting. We're not talking okay. about the record of today's all right, so, the, so we can get out of here then. Um, the last item is just board member comments, and I'm actually hoping the full board can hear from Joseph and Jenny on their very successful uh, outreach to YAC on the ex officio uh, board member recruitments. But, um, okay, why don't you guys go first, and then we'll then see if you have comments. Go ahead, Bruce. Well, um, <clears throat> last night we met with the YAC committee, the Youth Advisory Commission, and uh, uh, had a slight uh, PowerPoint presentation to let them know what the San Leandro Police Community Police Review Board is, and and then we're rec recruiting, uh, you know, ages 14, 22. And they're very receptive, and uh, a lot of them said that they were going to, you know, <clears throat> sign up before the March 5th deadline. Um, they they were actually uh, really happy that we were there. We're going to try to make the next meeting March 5th for, um, to do another presentation because most of the kids were on recess this week and so not too many showed up. So um, what they did ask is for um, Eric to send a, a digital copy of the yeah. fire to Liz Hodgins. Uh, it's, it's already been completed. Okay. Okay, you talk about the presentation itself. Yeah, she wanted the, no, not the presentation, the, the visual, um, the advertising. 
for the community police. Oh, you mean the flyer? Yeah, yeah. the flyer. Oh, okay. Oh, certainly. Yeah, the flyer. Yeah. We can get it. Yeah, she was going to put it on her on the YAC website. And we don't even contact person. So, are you two actually able to commit to that next meeting of YAC? I, um, I can I get back on that? I have to check the schedule. So I, I probably can, but I, I have a couple things going on. Okay. Well, I'll check. Yeah, yeah I'll off line to commit yeah. to Yeah, check with me online. I'll find a piece. When is the date for that? March 5th, yeah. March 5th, okay. Um, and, and if we have a problem, uh, I'll see if there's any other volunteers. Okay. I don't think it has to be for for this, uh, it's not a meeting, we're not deciding anything, it's just a presentation. Um, can I say something about sure, that? Sure, please. So, I mean, I would just, I recommend, I'm not saying everybody has to, but I would say it might be interesting if other, we will take one members to go see the yet, you know, just so they can kind of meet all of us, you know, in person. Just a, just a suggestion on my part. Um, and also, oh, is that like, Okay, so um, yeah, basically we did it. It was very um, interesting. Also, I'll talk to you about that. But they actually finished their meeting before seven thirty, so we need to kind of know how to do that. We would have, but we didn't keep talking. <laughs> well, I mean, just saying. I mean, but but you put your own board member comments. So, right, and yeah. I did. And uh, thank you for the flyers. I passed it all out, and they all took it. Okay, I'm done. I'll I'll be fine now. Anyway, First, I want to thank you both for doing it. Um, what I'll do, by the way, is I'll send to all of you the presentation, the slides we actually put together, because they, they can be readily used for other outreach efforts. So I'll send those to you also so you know, you know what they used. Brian, do you have any comment you want to make at this point? No. Uh, any more thing? Uh, they, they are, the YAC is really looking forward to working with the Community Police Review Board and you know, helping each other out as you know, community efforts. That's about it. Great. Keith? Nope. Uh, that's the meeting at which? Yes. yes. Okay. And the last thing that is, just to, re to, uh, for, to recap what, what I understand them to be agenda items for our next <coughs> meeting, and if there's any objection, please let me know. Um, but they, we carried over the elections, we carried over the work plan. Um, the chief has told us that you know, we'll have the We'll probably have the mobile uh, ALPR policy to review. Um, the uh, IPA, Jeff told you that we all have a, a additional RIPA data um, to, to look at. Um, and, um, and and I think uh, as, as an action item, I think we need to uh, get volunteers for um, an ad hoc committee for pretextual stops to begin that review process. Uh, I'd like to renew whoever's going to um, agree to be the ad hoc committee for this year's committee outreach efforts. Um, I don't assume we'll folks that did it before or after still do it. And lastly, um, uh, if Jeff is successful in getting this kind of three-way meeting between on the use of force between the police department, ourselves, and the IPA, I would like to be able to see if we have some volunteers for, for that. To join me, so it's not just me. We can do that all at the next meeting. Okay. Um, so no objection to those things. Okay. All right. Um, thank you. We are adjourned. Five minutes late. Get closer. Get better. Uh,